I am your host, Brian. On the other side is Alex. What's going on? Didn't come up with anything to ramble about, so if you got something, now's the time. Otherwise, we can just get right into it. Yeah, I think I think we're good. Okay. Let's do this thing. World's crazy. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, is totally true. Well, that's, that's all we can say, and then we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, think about that. World's crazy. Going real deep, real fast. <laughs> All right, so laid it on pretty thick last time. Right? <laughs> yeah. So if you listen, you're probably like, please. Something more upbeat, please. Don't make me feel bad again. So today I want to talk about Venice Beach, okay. California. Nice. Um, so I went there uh, two years ago at this point, roughly. And I just figured it would be kind of fun to kind of take you through what I saw and just a little bit of the history, I guess, of, of the, the area and the town itself and, and what's going on there and just, you know, how crazy and, and circus-like it is, I guess. Um, it does have a reputation. It certainly does. And it was very captivating to be there. What would you say? I'm actually trying to think of how I would describe the reputation, other than unique, very. Unique. Um, I think just that. <clears throat> excuse me, that it's very eccentric. Okay. And yeah. the people that are there. Very um, expressive. Yeah, there's a lot of art going on, and people just there to have fun and express themselves, like you said, and and um. You know, just kind of living this beach bum lifestyle in a sense, I guess. They've got these. N- not in a bad, not saying that in a bad way. Just. Um, I'm sure you'll yeah. talk more about them, but the outdoor gym too is. <laughs> is yeah, so we'll kind of cover, um, you know, all those highlights of, of what the area is famous for and all that. Because um, as I was as I was thinking back on this experience, I was probably there for. I don't know four or five hours, something like that. And the amount of shit that I saw in that <laughs> amount of time is just crazy. There was so much going on. Just like, as I started kind of taking little bullet points down, it started coming back. Um, yeah, so I went with uh, our cousin um, who lives out there, and he kind of showed me around. And it was fun. It almost, for a second, made me want to move there. Um, so anyway... Um, not necessarily to Venice itself. That would be insane. But, um, just California. It had that, that feel to it. Yep. Um, all right. So while I went to the beach itself, Venice is like a whole town. It's basically a neighborhood of LA. Okay. Um, so it's like 14 miles west of downtown LA and the neighborhood itself is, just over three square miles, so um, not that big, I guess. I don't know how that compares size-wise to other L.A. neighborhoods, but in terms of population density, it's pretty much on par. It's about 12,000 people per square mile, which I guess is is average for L.A. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Google Maps and the square that it... Oh, yeah, this, this would be a good topic to have Google Maps up. Yeah, so the, the square... No, it's not a square, but the, the area to which Google Maps says is considered Venice Beach 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not giant at all. No, not really. Anyway. Oh, oh it took me to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay, so this place was um, founded in 1905 strictly to be a beach resort town. It was founded by this guy, Abbott Kinney, and he was basically just this millionaire dude who made his fortune through big tobacco nice. and wanted himself a beach resort town, and he made it happen. This is America. Right. You can build whole towns. And it was like an independent city, I think, for a, for a while, up through the, the 1920s. I was going to say, I imagine... Before it got absorbed. Right. It's now part of the urban sprawl that is, you know, that area, Los Angeles. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. certainly for a time it was going to be probably a, a little bit of an oasis mm -hmm. and it was so you got a lot of people coming in just to you know tourist the area and and all that so um but yeah so this whole area i mean just when you go there it's got this this feeling and this aura to it and this atmosphere that's just you know i haven't really experienced before um it's just like really captivating in its diversity i guess so you have people there that are you know enjoying the beach but then you have uh you know street performers everywhere and vendors um people of all shapes sizes colors interests you know just like it's a melting pot i guess um you can buy every uh, when you're walking down like the main part of this this area um when you're out towards the beach you could buy everything from ice cream cones to marijuana, like right in the same area. Awesome. Um, which I guess, thinking on uh, those two things aren't exactly that far super away from far me. on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to go yeah. buy your marijuana and then get your ice cream right yeah. then and there. Yeah. So maybe those that's not too polarizing you can also of get an your, example, but your groceries and your everything. Yeah, I mean, can so your, like, can you get your car fixed? <laughs> well, I mean, somewhere in the town. Yeah, there has to be a mechanic. That's a good point. That's actually a good, uh, interesting thing you brought up, though. Um, when the town was designed, they really didn't prepare much for, um, you know, like, modern street widths and, and the need for cars and everything. So most people's houses have, like, entrances, entrances excuse me, off these, like, little back streets and stuff. Um so, yes, there are, of course, main roads and stuff going through the town, but um, it's very much set up for walking, pedestrian and yeah. walking and, and things like that. Looking at, the, looking at the map, it's definitely tight. Yep. It's definitely tight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So where, where on the map are you right now? Oh, I was just looking down at the whole thing. Um, bird's eye view on, on the... Uh, the outlined area. Okay. So looking at Venice Boulevard, which is the main strip that goes through it, um, mm -hmm. sort of northeastish to southwestish. Also, Lincoln goes through it, and then Pacific Ave is the, I suppose the, the last street. No, Speedway is the last street before the beach. So mm -hmm. maybe that, that's the one that you walk down and get your ice cream and your your weed. Well. So if you go along this thing, um, 
Muscle Beach. Yeah, so Muscle Beach, we can, yeah, so I just kind of want to, you know, hit on all these little highlights, so we can start with that one. Um, Muscle Beach is, like, you know, super famous for for anybody who doesn't know, um, you know, that's apparently where, uh, geez, blanking on his name. Um, Schwarzenegger? Yes, thank you. Wow, that was a shot in the dark, I totally No, I couldn't spit out his name. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, that's where he made his breakthrough and kind of made Gold's Gym famous, because I guess it's a, it's a affiliate of Gold's Gym, and it still is. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's like an outdoor gym. Um, so all the barbells and the benches and stuff are outside, which is interesting, because, you know, they're just kind of exposed to the elements. So while it's maintained, it's only maintained so good. Not only is it um, the elements, but literally the ocean is right there, so the salt. Yeah, that's up. too. Yeah. yeah, things were definitely rusty. That's um, safe. Yeah, there's this like so when you're looking at it, um, if you pull up a picture, you'll see that there's kind of a covered area where they have the building almost looks like a a barbell in a sense. It's got this like design to it, concrete building. It's not very big. Um, and then there's an outdoor front part, kind of right there on the beach in front of it. Um, we were there on a Sunday, so I don't know if that's why there weren't that many people there, but it was pretty... There weren't a lot of people working out. Let's just put it that way. So um, while um, it was very cool to see, it was almost a little, like... Not sad, that's dramatic, but... You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Not I'm, living up to the glory. I'm looking at the pictures right now, and the equipment... You were underselling how rough this equipment is. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore. It's in it's in interesting shape, to say yeah. the least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that is kind yeah, of... Yeah, so, you know, I didn't really necessarily get the chance to go in there and... Pump some iron. Work out or pump some <laughs> iron or anything. It would have been cool, but um, I guess you could pay, like, 10 bucks to go in for the day or whatever, but... Yeah, wasn't really in the in the situation to okay. So real real, real quick, the type of uh-huh. that is an interesting commitment to choose that as your gym and pay the the membership. Like I go oh, pretty cheap actually. I I imagine it is because <laughs> ultimately it's an it's a there's a lot wrapped up in working out at a place like this. I guess maybe I'm overthinking it, but. Um, no, because you get, apparently you get a lot of people, like, you know, hanging out and watching what you're doing, and, um, you know, it's a tourist attraction in itself, so. The equipment might kill you. (laughs) The equipment might kill you. Yeah, it's, um, actually, if you look on here, I didn't even notice this when I was there, but there's, like, a stage area. Do you see that if you go towards the beach? Um, let me see. Like you have the building. Oh yeah. And then yep. and yep. then there's the outdoor area that kind of juts out and then behind that you have um you know kind of this like stage area, I guess. I mean, this is this is really for bodybuilding, so people who are competing and yep. um really going for that whole thing. Okay, so the next thing that I want to talk about which I think you'll enjoy <clears throat> just because it's literally right next to this. So, you know, you, you do you see Oceanfront Walk? Uh, this road right there? 
Yeah, yeah. So this is what you walk down. This is like the two and a half mile whatever um, street that you think about when you think of, or at least when I do now, and I'm sure when most people think of Venice Beach, this is kind of what you're walking down where you have all the vendors and the street performers and just the circus of activity going on. Right. Um, so we we started, you know, we basically walked the whole thing. But the next thing, <laughs> right next to Muscle Beach, you'll notice there's three basketball courts. Uh, you see those? To the right, yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, just, we sat there on these bleachers and, and watched people play street ball for, must have been 45 minutes. It was the most fun part of the entire day watching or at least one of um just the shit talking that goes on (laughs) so these are just open courts that anybody can come up uh you know theoretically all ages and and whatever can it's just a first come first serve basis anybody can come in uh right you know play but dude we sat there and watched and just like as I'm remembering it here, we had, you know, uh, a couple guys playing and there was this one tall, lanky guy and then one kind of shorter but buff guy and the two of them going back and forth was, like, you didn't really know if it was friendly or if they were actually just, like, about to kill each other. I'm not sure, but it was just hilarious to sit there and, and watch these guys play and, and shit on each other. <laughs> it was pretty aggressive. Who ended up uh, besting? Um, I don't remember. I don't think we stayed until the, the end of their game. But it's just kind of cool, this this atmosphere where, you know, anybody can walk up and just start playing. And... I, I was just going to say, like, you wake up Saturday morning, and you're like, what am I going to do yeah. today? I'm going to go challenge a stranger. Right? It was cool to just watch, you know, and just sit there and observe and watch all the people just kind of, you know, you get people who show up together and, and play together, but then just the random people that come on and, and join a team or whatever, and it's just this really interesting dynamic of, of pickup going on and um, definitely different levels of skill going on as well. Yeah, yeah, I would not be... Uh, I've, been, <laughs> I've been playing a little basketball in the gym to warm up, yeah. but mm-hmm. I suck so much, and that becomes immediately clear when anybody else shows up and I'm like, Oh, right. <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, yeah. So that, that was really fun, um, to sit there and watch that for a while. Um, let's see, since we're right in this area, there's a lot of different, like, you know, I was going to say there's, there's also tennis courts and that, those are actually when I was, first looking at it i was looking at the tennis courts mm-hmm. but i realized uh, where the basketball courts are now comparatively yes. but same i would imagine the same goes for the tennis courts you just probably if, if i would imagine game, so yeah yeah yep um let's see so um, we might as well just stay right in this little area right here if you go to the left a little bit you're going to see public art walls i do see that yep. right out there on the beach um I don't really know what the significance or history behind this is, but they're just walls where people spray graffiti and just mark it up, and, you know, that's allowed. And um, so it's just kind of like this this wall where anybody can go and express themselves, I guess, right? That's kind of the theme of this beach is expressing yourself and doing whatever the fuck you want. 
they have uh, these like so that. they have these like cone shaped. So in addition to mm -hmm. what look like maybe four foot high walls, maybe. Um. Or are they six foot? Uh, they're. I think they're a little. I could. I was looking at pictures I took <laughs> earlier uh, when I was there, and I think they're a little taller than that. Okay. So not not super tall though. Yeah, and but in addition to the walls that you would imagine graffiti being on, mm -hmm. they also have basically uh, giant traffic cones, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that people also Dude. paint on. Kind of interesting shapes. Yeah. And not that this this is not an original thought, but it's amazing <laughs> looking at Venice Beach, um, the Tony Hawk games on the N64 that we used to play as kids. Mm-hmm. You could just see there was a oh, there's a particular level I'm thinking about where you had to jump oh, you had to jump over homeless people as part of the game, <laughs> and um, that level was definitely built from the art walls that are in this uh, beach. Well, how about um, Grand Theft Auto? I basically I was think, replicating the beach. Yep. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto pro actually probably multiple Grand Theft Autos maybe not, but definitely number five. Yeah, they they basically have Venice Beach built right into it. Pretty much. And you can take a car out there and just run people down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like real life. Um, these things yeah, are awesome. Yeah, so I'm looking at awesome. a... Yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now. I'm standing in front of one of the giant cones. The cones gotta be... They're big. 15 feet. Yeah, they're big. Tall. Um, the walls are probably about, you know, my height. So six foot or so, it looks like, from this picture. Um... I'm hoping to see something funny written on here, but I really don't see such a great a way to of graffiti. It's such a great way to do it because I mean, graffiti. Well done graffiti, at least in my opinion, looks fantastic. Hell yeah! And I think it looks great. So plus, if you're giving a designated spot, then gonna, uh, right, yeah, it probably won't show up in the places you don't want it. You know, I was going to say they kind of looked like upside-down ice cream cones. And sure enough, I scrolled through the pictures, and somebody did paint one at least <laughs> at one point as an upside-down ice cream nice. cone. Yeah, I wonder how... So that's that's interesting. Um, What's the sort of time frame? And the etiquette. Like, right. You know, I didn't see anybody painting. But obviously people do, right? Yeah, um, I mean... It's got to just be, there can't be any sort of written, it's all got to be gentle. It. Yeah, it's yeah. all got to be just like gentlemen's agreements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and real quick, side note, just the, the idea of people expressing themselves. Not only do you have, um, you know, all these street performers just doing whatever that they want to perform, but just one small example. I mean, we, if you look kind of, um, when you're looking at the Venice public art walls, uh, to the, you know, east just barely. There's that, like, circular area there. Uh, uh, like, paved yes. area. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of like some circular pavement. I think it might be a parking lot. I don't know if there were cars there when we were there, but there was just some guy, you know, on old-school roller skates, just, you know, had, like, a little speaker attached to him and everything, just dancing with his roller skates to... Nobody else was doing it with him. He was just kind of doing his own thing. Um, and, you know, nobody, obviously nobody bothering him. It's just uh, what he wanted to be doing on the Sunday morning. And <laughs> so he was doing it. And it's, that's just kind of like, you know. Vibe. And I, and I, yeah, just a small example of, of what's going on. Just people doing whatever they want 
um, which is really cool to see. Uh, let's see. So travel up the beach a little more, and there's a skate park. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm i going to be speaking way out of turn here, but I mean, with the amount of Venice Beach, I, I'm not an expert in this area at all, but you know, Venice Beach has a huge influence on the skateboard world. Mm-hmm. Is this where, like... Well, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I saw that this skate park actually is quite new. Oh, okay. Like 2009 okay. type of thing. Okay. Um, now, the basketball courts are exactly what you're describing. There's apparently, and I'm no basketball... Aficionado. Aficionado or, or really have any knowledge, <laughs> not even an ounce. Um, but I guess there are some professional players that, you know, kind of had their upbringing there and, and actually were, you know, recruited and spotted from there. Um, so want, it's, it's pretty legendary. Really. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. I want to say Rodney Mullen, who he's a hmm. skateboarder known for yeah, his... Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher the way it's described, but he's known for being able his control basically on the board is unmatched. Hmm. Um, and okay. I feel like he got his start here, but I could be butchering hmm. that anyway. Um, yeah. So the, the skate park was actually really cool for me specifically. Um, I'd never really watched in person people who are competent on a skateboard. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's pretty mesmerizing and captivating to watch. It is, uh, especially because once you see it up close, you realize how incapable you would be of doing it. Oh, God. (laughs) Mostly a mental thing. Like, I just wouldn't be able to get myself to do that, to try it. Um, Yeah, there's definitely mostly younger people in here, but, you know, still, there are people in there that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be. Skating around, everybody from, you know, I noticed one girl was just kind of cruising around, um, listening to music, just not necessarily trying to do crazy jumps or anything, just cruising through the bowls and stuff. Um, but then you had a bunch of kids who were also trying to jump over the fence. You know, there's a fence <laughs> kind of like surrounding the whole thing. And like five or six of these kids, their whole entire goal, we were probably there for another, you know, 30 minutes or so, their entire objective was to try to jump the fence which was pretty fun to watch um yeah so uh let's see so you'll notice that um kind of running between all these things is a pathway right snaking through everything yeah so separate from the ocean front walk which is right not right which is where all the shops are but then you have this separate walking path i assume also bike path thing yeah, so that runs the whole length of the beach, um, and yeah, you're right, so people walking on it, but what we did, and actually it's one of the first things we did, um, so our cousin brought his skateboard, just like a, a cruiser board, and then I rented a bike, and dude, we started from the bottom, you know, down past the south of the courts that I was describing, Okay. and just did like, you know a leisurely cruise up this thing the whole way, the two miles or whatever it is. And that, you know, in the California sun on a Sunday morning was just like the most chill experience I think I've ever had to, to say it cliche, but it was pretty damn fun <laughs> to just I'm, be cruising up this thing. I'm looking at the path. It doesn't even look two miles. 
Um, allegedly, or that was that was what I read, but I don't know if it actually is. Yeah. But maybe we didn't. I don't think we started necessarily at the southernmost spot, but um, how either much, way, how much did it cost to rent the bike? Oh, not very much. So yeah, we cruise up this thing and, and that was fun. So along the way, you know, we stopped at like a couple, uh, they had, you know, swing sets and, uh, you know, like ropes courses and, and just random shit along the way that we would stop at and just hang out and talk to people and just this like feeling of, I don't have to be doing anything other than just hanging out right now. <laughs> it was pretty fun. Um... So if you keep going, um, you know, you go all the way north uh, along this path, and eventually you're going to get to what's technically not um, Venice anymore, but the Santa Monica Pier. Do you see that? Uh, yep. Oh, wait a second. Far. The path? Oh, okay. Never mind. The path is... Okay, that explains it. I was it not... Was... Yeah, I was not looking at the You did not go far thing. enough? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, and there's an original um, Muscle Beach. What? Sorry. Oh, Dave. I don't. I don't know about that. Just to the, just to the east of the pier, on mm -hmm. the beach. Yeah, is something I do see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So th you can see that there's a bunch of like, yeah. Look, aerial rings go a little south yeah, along the it. path. Do you see that? I showed some little girl up on these rings. <laughs> 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 They're like, you know, I don't know, it looks like one, two, three, four, five hanging sets of rings where, you, you know, you can try to swing across them without touching the ground. Right. Um, Showed her how I to tried do to, it. I tried to be cool about it, but damn, it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know, man. It's just it's just really cool um, to hang out there, and, and we met some cool people. Um, so when you get to this pier, this is interesting. So the bike path goes under the pier. Yep. And this is all represented in Grand Theft Auto, which is, I, um, which is scary. It's, it is incredible. I wasn't going to say too much about the game, but it's incredible how much they... I mean, they replicated the entire front of the beach here. Well... All the way... Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it was... Well, no, you're right. And it was disturbing to me because that was my experience of this area. I've been here before, but only digitally. Exactly. In, is, in the situation where I'm killing people. That is really weird. <laughs> so it was really strange at first. Eventually, you know, kind of got over that. But <laughs> you kinda... <laughs> Are you, you, know, you mean to tell me you got over your bloodlust? And, you know... Yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, okay, we, who do we kill first? <laughs> that's what we do here right <laughs> oh man that's that's what video games have taught me oh man that's, that's... not true people don't no. <laughs> take this as a video games cause violence we are 100 percent joking oh man it's it is really eerie though or not it's not eerie that's the wrong word it's impressive uh how well they captured it uh, is it actually is yeah. actually real quick side note um, remember where you are on Santa Monica Pier, because we're not done there yet. Okay. But go, go south down on the beach until you get to the canal, and you're going to notice that that 
is also like perfectly represented in the game. Yeah, the the down marina. to the little um, you know, like lifeguard outhouse thing that's on the beach there. Yep. I mean, all of that is there in the game, and it's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it is pretty wild. Oh, and that's the... Oh, gross. What's that? Uh, the canal thing I think you were talking about. Is that is that like the river? The L.A. River output? No, that's not it. I can't no. No, that's like some specific canal that they built. Okay, anyway. Anyway, okay. back to the, the pier. This was wild. This is just a crazy experience. So the bike path goes under the pier, which is kind of cool. Um, and then we went up on the other side. Um, so what did we do? I mean, this was just like playland up here. So we went to the arcade. We freaking played air hockey. That was super fun. Um, and we walk out here, and I don't know if his actual name is Rock and Roll Jesus, but there's a guy dressed as Jesus playing rock music, so I think that's what he goes by. <laughs> but this is just like <laughs> I mean you would assume right yeah I mean what else would it be uh... <laughs> um, I was kind of hoping he would have his own Google Maps marker oh my god could you that would have been, been, been pretty credible yeah he was just out there and it was fun um, yeah, there's that roller coaster that's on there, a bunch of different, you know, carnival attractions, basically, on that first part of the pier. Excuse me. And then we did walk all the way out, um, you know, to the end there, and you can kind of just sit there and look off, and I think that's a, maybe a restaurant or something, I'm not sure. The Santa Monica Pier, oh, there's a couple things at the end there. There's a couple things, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a restaurant, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so we just kind of hung out there. Um, that was fun to uh, to see. Is there anybody um, fishing? Oh, yeah. Tons yeah, of people okay. fishing. Cool. Um, apparently, the, the pier is over 100 years old. 1909 is when it opened. Cool. So, I mean, I don't think it had the roller coaster necessarily, but <laughs> um, I think there's some merry-go-round or something that's super old that's on it. That's kind of like a... L.A. treasure type thing, something historic. Um, yeah, so so technically, I guess this isn't necessarily in Venice, but you know, we were able to easily, yeah, it's all part of this our same. way there, and it was part of it. So that was kind of the end point. So after that, we turn around, um, and we headed back. We kind of cruised along and just uh, observed some of the street performers and all the weird people. Just if you like people watching place to go um so something i wasn't expecting before going here is the fact that there are actually canals like you know venice italy um and i don't know if you knew that but not specifically no but i'm looking obviously i'm looking at them now where are you looking um, I went back over to Marina del Rey, and there is a canal called the Baluna Lagoon, and uh, that that runs parallel to the beach for a while. Oh, and yeah, wow, so it, and then it goes actually you're gonna, into. You're gonna find Venice canals, and it's four yeah, sets of. That's what I'm looking at. Yep. Okay, so we went there. Um. So just a little history on that. So, what's up? 
This is in GTA too. <laughs> I know, I know. It's scary. It's really scary. <sighs> anyway, so I mean, this was this was really cool and something pretty pretty unexpected. You know, I had kind of an idea of what to find as far as like the the oceanfront walk or whatever the heck it's called. Um, so I guess when uh, when Kinney built the town back in early 1900s. Um, it was planned that, you know, the residential area was going to be set back like this. And he built the canals to replicate Venice, Italy. So that was on his mind. But also, I guess it's kind of marsh area there. So okay. it was supposed to be a way to get the water out. That being said, I don't know how necessary it was. Because when the town or the city got absorbed by the greater L.A., uh, city, they decided that they needed more roads, so they filled in a bunch of the canals uh, to build roadways, and so this is basically what's left. So, wow, I I don't have a grasp on how many canals there were, but I have a based on what I read, a, a pretty good you know a feeling that there were quite a lot compared to these four that are left. Um, and so I guess through some various lobbying from people who live there and just, you know, not a need for roads in those areas, they were basically able to, to save those canals. But, yeah, that's basically what's left. Um, so we just kind of walked back there, and uh, it really... <laughs> I've never been to Venice, Italy, first of all, so that's, you know, full disclosure there. But... Um, <laughs> From what I understand, it definitely felt like how that would feel. It, You know, you have these, you can see it on the map, bridges um, crossing the canal every, you know, so many feet. Um, and all the houses along it are very well maintained and colorful and uh, surely expensive. Um, so... They and they are, the houses also are decently Italian in their uh, yeah construction. The architecture. Yeah. I don't know if you if you want to you know feel free to Google well some so pictures I, or drop a street view or something. I um I went to Zillow. Okay. Ooh, that that was something I was going to do actually. So two. I mean, I could. I was curious how much a house here would cost. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about that. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, expensive. <laughs> Very. Because, I mean, you can't really get more unique than this as far as a location and Dude, a... It's wild. You it can't, was a weird thing to see. Yeah, you can't really get more exclusive than these are the last four streets or canals mm -hmm. left. Not only are they the only four left, but they're right next to Venice Beach Yep. in California on the mm -hmm. ocean. So one house. Yeah, what do you what are you seeing for prices? I'm seeing 438 Howland Canal. It's a three bed, four bath, three and a half mm -hmm. thousand square feet, which is pretty decent. Um, 4.8 million. Whew. Damn. Uh, there's a 2.8 million, uh, 1,500 less square feet, one less bath. Mm -hmm. um, they have used HDR on all of their photos. Oh yeah, that's all. <laughs> I've realized now that I'm looking at houses that that's all house photography is yeah. HDR lighting, make it look giant. 
Okay, so the, the million dollar price tag, that's shocking, but also quite expected. What I think is even more interesting is how much it costs to rent one of these places. Yes. It's so crazy. We're seeing anywhere from five thousand dollars a month. That's mm-hmm. the that's the low end. Uh, within the canal area, fourteen to fifteen thousand a month. <laughs> so digressing a little bit. Um, I didn't necessarily observe up close people renting in this area, in the canal area, but along Oceanfront Walk on the beach, there are houses right there. Yeah. Condos. And they're less expensive. The the oceanfront properties, mm. a lot of them are less expensive to rent than the canal well, spots. There's, it was really interesting. There's people, I mean... I'm telling you, their their porch area, their little patio thing, is right there next yeah. to the people that are on the beach, and you know it's like five grand, twenty five hundred to five grand to rent one of these places. And I was looking at pictures on Zillow, and I mean they're shacks, some of them. Yeah, and and so as you were saying, like if I went out onto my little patio to have my morning coffee, that guy mm-hmm. on the rollerblades could come by and steal my coffee. They were fenced. Like there, you know, there's a border. But if he reached, if like he reached some, over, yeah, there were some high. It was like high shrubbery between oh, okay. a lot of them, um, and they were kind of raised up a little bit. But essentially, yes, you're right. Um, there's one. Uh, there's one here, actually, that I had marked. Uh, so this is a new. Um, I don't know if it's renovated or literally new construction. I would imagine renovated because everything must be built there at this point. Excuse me. Uh, Three beds, five baths. This is right on Oceanfront Walk. 4,200 square feet. uh, 11.7 million. I'm looking at it. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, and that's what's so interesting is because there was also something I I wasn't sure to bring up or not, but there's a lot of homeless people around. So, you get this really interesting dynamic where you have people living in these twelve million dollar homes, but right out front, there might be you know maybe not right on oceanfront walk. There's homeless people, but certainly set back a little bit. I mean, when we were walking through the canals, even you saw how nice it looks, but. It wasn't that hard to, you know, look around a corner and find a homeless person camped out or whatever. Right. Um, and I guess uh, our cousin was telling me that the homeless situation there, just L.A. in general, I think, not necessarily just uh, Venice, is it's a huge deal. I mean, you get a lot of people going there because you can be homeless yeah. year-round, right? Yep, yep. People go out there with a, with a thought and a dream and whatever, and it doesn't work out. Um, so I guess that's a huge problem, but creates an interesting dynamic. Um, but back to the canals themselves, dude, almost a little, like, very polarizing. I'll put it that way. So you have this craziness going out on the beach, but then you come back here, you know, a five minute walk and you're in this, like little canal sanctuary area where everything's quiet and peaceful and well-maintained. Everything looks, I mean, like it does if you look at some of these pictures and all the houses are as expensive as they are and everybody's got their little dock. You know, there were even, 
um, little boat tours going around like uh, you might have in actual Venice, you know, people paddling those boats around. Right. Um, yeah, so a very interesting kind of dynamic going there, too. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's most of what I saw. Um, one, one funny story when we were walking back through these canals, um, we were just kind of chilling and we noticed that somebody at one of their docks had a paddle boat that was designed to look like a hippo and nobody was really around. So we (laughs) got in it. (laughs) I believe it. I believe. I'm not believing. Yeah. I know. I we saw didn't this picture. It. Yeah, we didn't take it. We just sat in it and <laughs> got the evidence, and, and that was it. <laughs> but yeah. You can, um, you can definitely see, looking at the map, where the canals used to be. It wasn't giant previously, I don't think. Oh, you can. How can you tell? Well, I guess I'm just looking at the layout of the streets, really. Oh, okay, okay. Um,. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at what's there now and then you just kind of extrapolate that yeah, that's into really, the greater area. That's all I'm getting at. Um, but, so, I guess in, in conclusion to this whole this whole thing, um, I've only been to California a few times and it's all been, not necessarily in Venice, but in this L.A. area, Simi Valley, that type of thing. Um if you're going to be in the area, definitely go check this place out. It was wild and a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I had a good time. I've heard a lot of good things about California, a lot of interesting things about California. And but the last thing I guess I'll say about it is when you scroll back from looking at Venice Beach and I've got mm-hmm. the I've got the Earth view of Google Maps set instead of the just yeah. just the map view. Yeah. It is incredible. The the sprawl. The sprawl. It's it's insane. I I really. I can't really imagine. So I did get to explore. Um, some of the rural parts, because I was if you look on the map, Simi Valley is kind of northwest, of of where Venice is. So that's where I was doing, that's where I was working for a couple of weeks there. Okay. So I, that was kind of my, my central point, you know, so I could go down to, to Venice, but I also was able to go north into things like, um, oh, I forget some of the names of the towns, but, um, Ojai. So if you look at Simi Valley and you kind of go, uh, again, west a bit and then north a little bit, there's this town called Ojai, O-J-A-I, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I went up there, dude, and it's not L.A. It was this tit, this little, like, you know, town in the mountains and very old school and um, cool architecture. and So living in L.A., hell no, not for me. Visiting, very cool. But, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in California, I think, that, um, yeah. you know, there's some other areas that might appeal, but... Uh, yeah, L.A. itself is is madness. Luckily, I didn't have to spend any time in downtown L.A. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how people I did do go it. to Long Beach, though, actually. That was interesting, uh, which is pretty much downtown. 
So um, my topic, Venice Beach, you kind of already touched on it, would be a place where many different generations of people uh, co-mingle and exist and potentially hate on each other. <laughs> um, oh, there's some hate. I was watching some YouTube videos of people fighting at Venice Beach. So. <laughs> I didn't see it with my own eyes, but it's... Nothing like yeah. a good YouTube fight video. <laughs> <laughs> it was intense. Why do people love that? Or why do we love that? Like, I don't know. I watched all nine minutes of it. So. <laughs> it's a lot these days. Yeah, nine minutes is uh, for a video. Yeah, that's 30 seconds or get out of here. the last 30 seconds. I don't know. Um, yeah, so um, I actually had somebody ask to do this, uh, this type of topic. and Oh, sweet. Struggled a little bit with um, how to get it all together and and uh, organize it. But, um, yeah, so generations and just the differences between them and some thoughts about why things are the way they are, maybe. Oh, man. Um, so you mean, and, like, Generation X versus Generation Y? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, mm. So, and then also I would say that feel free to chime in with your own thoughts on why things are the way they are or whatnot. I imagine this one, as I was filling out these notes, I imagine this one to be more of a, a discussion topic rather than a okay. litany of facts. Uh-huh. So I'll do my best. One of the first things that I found, though, which is it's just uh, ridiculous. Um, let me uh, send this over your way. If you go in and you start Googling differences between generations, one of the things that it's going to put in front of you fairly quickly is this PDF chart uh, created by the West Midland Family Center. And it's their, their tagline, I guess. The West Midland Family Center is an organization that is empowering families to grow together in a positive and enriching environment. What? So I don't know exactly what they do, but they attempted to categorize four different generations. These are American generations, I would say. Um, there are definitely parallels to probably other Western civilizations. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we'll be talking mostly about the American generations. Although I did uh, do some research on, um, there's something very interesting going on over in the Asian cultures, but we'll get there in a bit. So we'll, we'll touch more on this chart later because some of the stuff mm -hmm. that they've not only it's huge, it's 11 pages long, and they've come up with. I already have tons of questions. <laughs> it, there's so many questions. There's so many questions. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come back to this thing in a minute. Okay. But first I figured we could lay out, we'll use their layout of the different generations. So they've labeled four of them, starting with the oldest, the traditionalists. Mm-hmm. 1900 to 1940 people born 1900 to 1945 baby boomers 1946 yeah. to 64 generation x is 65 to 80 and then millennials are 81 to 2000 it's interesting it's it's leaving out some that i'm not necessarily familiar with in terms of the years or or details but just that i've heard of significantly like gen y and gen z well, Gen Gen Z is after you and I, so you and I are right. you and I are millennials, and this barely. chart this chart is uh, a little old. Okay. Uh, what do you mean barely? We're right in the center, nineteen eighty one to two thousand. 
Oh, I was looking at the what's the years in parens? Parentheses at the top. I guess I don't. That's know, what I was actually. looking at. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's the only one with. Yeah, so for for listeners, it's uh, under the millennials column. In parentheses, it says 77 to 94, but then under that, not in parentheses, is 81 to 2000. So somebody explain that. Yeah, so Gen Z is after us, but millennials okay. are also called Gen Y. Okay. So see that, we need two names for Yeah, well. But anyway, okay. Um, Got it. And, so yeah, that's the different generations and... Um, it's, I thought it was one of the first things I noticed. It's interesting. The traditionalists have a 45-year time frame, 1900 yeah. to 1945. Yeah. Wow. And then that immediately shortens to 20 years, then to 15 hmm. years, and then to about 20 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, I looked at other people's definitions of the different generations, and they're all roughly That's, similar, but... There's you, no hard... There's no dates. hard line. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible. So... Can you speak to why or, you know, what influenced someone to start laying this out or where this comes from or why? This this chart specifically? No, not just the idea of defining generations because, um, you know, I don't know what the earliest one that we have defined is, but... um, no, you're, you know, you're... I guess just the, the background behind, okay, these people in this area are in this batch in a generational standpoint and, you know, where that, that's coming from, I guess. Yeah, you've already touched on, I don't have, I don't have uh, evidence or factual, I couldn't find an answer to that, but my, you've already touched on one of my sort of questions about all this. Um, I So I would say my answer to your question is that up until 1900 or so, mm-hmm. the pace of technological change was such that the difference between generations as far as father to son mm-hmm. didn't really exist in terms of it took many generations for something small to change. It was okay. only till the industrial level geez, industrial revolution that um, the pace of change was such that from father to son, things were so much different that it even was worth putting a label on it. So it's technologically driven. I, I would argue in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because I mean, think I mean, about that's how we think about it. Right. I mean, uh, so what, what would have been the difference between someone born in 1301 and someone born in 1401? I Not mean, much. As, as somebody with my, you know, narrow perspective and not having lived then, I would say nothing, right? Right. I mean, there's going to be small improvements here and there, but just the pace mm-hmm. of change wasn't, you know, you still would have been farming. You still would have not had electricity. You still would Wheels have... Wheels were, were not square anymore, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big change. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean... It's not like going from today where you have a generation that didn't grow up with the internet and a generation that grew up with the internet. That's right. a huge, right. huge difference. So there was no reason to put a label on the generations born in the 1300s and the generations mm-hmm. born in the 1400s. Sure. Okay. So yeah, I think that that's I think my answer that. to why 
why this even exists now. Mm -hmm. And I would also argue that uh, it's yet another reason or another view into how humanity is not equipped to handle the pace of change that we're currently at. Um, Mm. Because I'm, I'm jumping way ahead here, but ultimately my question that I came out of this entire set of research is why it certainly seems anecdotally that it is now common for generation whatever to fear, to hate on, to dislike, or some negative feeling towards the next generation. That seems to be the default state. Yes or no? Would you... Yeah, no, I can't disagree with it. Um, I would say that that's, you know, just a, 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 you know, factor of being part of a team, I guess, you know, is you're more inclined to take the negative approach than the positive one. I don't know if I'm I'm off base on that, but. Well, I mean, it's weird. So I, I guess I said, you know, I asked the question, why? Why are we now predisposed to, it seems at least, I don't have good evidence around this, but we seem predisposed to hate on the next generation in some way. Mm-hmm. Why is that Why is that the default state rather than... Well, I think uh, that's just human nature. Right, well... When somebody is not part of your... Your tribe. Your tribe, your... Yeah, that human nature says... Um, but it's... Know, in, the, yeah. It's yeah. interesting, though, because... In 1300, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't have really hated the next generation. Oh, it wasn't defined. Right. You didn't know what that was. Think about going through your experience in high school. I'm not I'm not saying you're a hater yourself, or even I am. Maybe I am. I don't know. But think about when you're, a, I don't know, a junior or a senior in high school. Think about the way you thought about freshmen. Right. I wanted you to so say on a more micro scale, they were lesser to you, right? And yeah, they were yeah. what for whatever reason, no reason really. <laughs> no reason at all. No reason at all. So it's that same type of uh, you know off base superiority that right. Yeah. I want you to save some of those personal thoughts you have about younger generations because <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go there. Oh, they're building. <laughs> I'm a human um, too, so the hate is there. No. <laughs> so, let's um, let's jump into some of the differences between. So, you and I are millennials. Let's some jump into some of the differences between. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, sort of the current state of things and yep. and how things might have been. Okay. Um, again, within the context of the fact that this generational stuff is doesn't appear natural doesn't line up with traditional human history the fact that we had four generations within a span of 100 years mm-hmm. it just it doesn't seem uh, the uh, i guess what i'm trying to say is the entire state of humanity is in a completely unprecedented point so all this is speculation that's a bold statement that's a, or a heavy statement i'll say <laughs> It's true, <laughs> but so, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> it, yeah, there's a lot to unpack, so uh, get the scissors or whatever. Um, 
So one of the things that's going on, and I actually noticed this myself, um, trying to hire some people where I work right now, and I'm involved in that. Um, and when you get uh, younger people's resumes, mm -hmm. they're job hopping much more and more frequently than mm -hmm. some of the older generations. Right. So that's something that's just anecdotally for me I see, and then statistically is also the case. So you, I mean, so looking at that example, as far as defining these generations, you're going to have differences coming from multiple angles. So you have differences in maybe the way people are thinking or acting. So they might be more inclined for whatever reason to be doing this job hopping. But then there's also um, potentially the state of the job market itself or, or um you know, Absolutely. the economy that might be driving the need or desire to to be job hopping. So I would argue that that one, the economic one, is probably a big cause of it. So mm -hmm. um, our dad worked for a company that had full benefits. Right. You're just not going to find that these days. And there's a lot of different reasons for that, but ultimately it companies aren't willing to spend that level of money anymore or it's right. gotten more expensive at least to provide things like full health care mm -hmm. and that's a whole other conversation you could argue the insurance companies are are doing all that and it's all artificial and whatever um so the point is though is that with the reduction in employee benefits i have no reason to become loyal right so i don't i don't care to stay at a company for uh there's nothing keeping me there. So if I don't like the job or I don't like a part of the job, mm -hmm. I don't have full medical benefits as a incentive for me to deal with it and, and stick around. I just go find something hopefully a little bit better. I also think that, yes, I, I do agree with that for sure. Um, and, and playing off that, um, with the generate, the current generation, there's, loyalty is not as big a thing, you know, just like you're saying, but in terms yeah. of even brand loyalty, things like that, people are less inclined. I'll, I'll, I'll give an automotive example because that's where I'm competent. Um, back in the day, it was much more common to be like, yeah, I'm a Chevy guy or I'm a Ford guy. You know, I only, you have no basis necessarily for this claim. Um, or for this team that you're on, but I'm a Ford guy, I'm a Chevy guy, whereas today, that doesn't really have, I mean, sure, there are people that still subscribe uh, subscribe to that type of thinking, but a lot of people are less inclined to be devout to one brand or one company in, the, in our conversation here, so if they do you wrong or they do something you don't like, you're not necessarily emotionally or, or you know committed to it so you're more willing to to bail or whatever agreed yeah and, a, and sort I of a say I, I can feel that in my myself i don't you know i would i would say i'm in that you know box. yeah i i would agree you know i i something i really care about which is motorcycles i would label myself very much a, a yamaha fanboy however mm -hmm somebody offers me a ride on literally anything with two wheels, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not hopping on that Honda because I'm a Yamaha yeah. guy. Absolutely. Well, let's not. say, let's say Yamaha did something really shitty. Like they 
I don't know, you found out that they were exploiting workers or something. Something that was ethically wrong. They're dead to me. Right. You wouldn't be... And I'm not saying that, you know, a baby boomer or whatever would, you know, not be affected by that, but I think it's it's just less so now. Well, that's... So a theme that's going to constantly pop up here is I don't think it is... You were, you were kind of alluding to it. It's not really the people. It's sort of the, the conditions that the people are in that sort of drive these generational differences. So mm-hmm. back in the day, the Chevy guy and the Ford guy, those were their two options. So sure. okay. nowadays you can buy a, a Toyota, a Ford, a Chevy, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a million options. So just mm-hmm. the market is saturated from a, a choice perspective, and that's for everything. I mean, how many brands of guitars, how many brands of motorcycles, how many brands mm-hmm. of, of whatever. Mm-hmm. So just the diffusion of, of all the choices true kind of makes brand loyalty less of a thing i i would argue at least anecdotally that it just seems that that's the case so i would you know baby boomers or whoever gen xers or traditionalists if they had those if they were much more product aligned it was probably a both a tribe thing right that's a common theme in human history is if you're not a part of my tribe i don't like you Mm-hmm. Um, but then also just the amount of tribes that existed were less. So the amount of car companies that existed were less. And so you, there were less teams to join. So the teams were larger and therefore right. the, the, the void between them was larger. And that, yeah. That f- and and there's just a, um, you know, just looking at the timeline of things back in the 60s or whatever, you you know, you didn't necessarily have Honda, Toyota, in this car example, um, you know, here in the market. And then when they did come, there's going to be some initial backlash or, you know, resistance to that. And then by the time Generation Z or Millennials, you know, come along, there's been time to get over that. So it's just more accepting. Um, Right. You know, and that's going to apply across other brands and whatnot. One of the other before we move on to the next one. um, I wonder too, if this metric is sort of flawed, the fact that people are holding jobs for a shorter amount of time. I wonder if that's somehow influenced probably is by the fact that there's so many more startups that rise and fall these days, comparatively speaking, Hmm. that just the, the raw number of, of churn is just higher. Yeah. And this probably applies to more than just this example, but think about how much more information we have. Oh, yeah. And not as an arrogant thing, but just, you know, maybe before the internet or whatever, I didn't even know of my other options. Right. So right. now that I, I, I am able to just go on and, in, you know, in an afternoon figure out all of the options that fall within my qualifications, I'm more inclined to want to explore those whereas before you you don't necessarily see those so you're more content with what you have um for better or worse i don't know but right no i think that's totally true um you're making me think of uh like standing in the liquor store googling all the different options because you want to know yeah you want to know which one i I did it today (laughs) buying wine i was like okay what's the best wine that i can get for under this dollar amount and like it's kind of silly right because 
In some it's ways, like yes. I'm, it's it not is. like I'm trying the other ones. <laughs> I'm buying one. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's kind of dumb. It's too much. That's an example for me where, well, yes, I did do that and I'll do it again. Yeah, that's too much information, I think. You know what I did with the wine? Um, I picked a brand that usually puts out about a $10 bottle of wine. Mm. And then just whatever they make is what I go with. But don't you feel sometimes that you're not exploring your options? Uh, That's a yeah, very baby I, boomer uh, attitude you have there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Um, I guess I was also overwhelmed by the choice. Uh, the amount. I mean, how much wine is in the freaking store? It's crazy. When you go to a store that's not even dedicated to selling alcohol or wine specifically and you have like hundreds of choices it's it's very very much overwhelming not only that but ultimately it's all driven off of the label right your, your choice um, yeah assuming you're not looking up things on your phone when there's a hundred choices yeah yeah you pick the label that you like um so staying with the job theme <laughs> i have less hard data in here but um, there's definitely, I, I can speak to it at least personally, there's a difference in work style between mostly, I suppose, the baby boomer, genera baby boomer generation and the Gen Xers and the millennials. Okay. Um, so. What have you noticed? Well, I personally notice a, uh, how do I describe this? leave me alone and let me get my work done kind of attitude from the older generations. Hmm. Okay. Um, and a much more interactive and collaborative from the younger ones. But again, or I shouldn't say again, but is that just a function of age rather than generation? Right. Right. Are those, we don't know what, you know, 70 year old, Millennials are like it. Right, right. Um, but I did look. Uh, I actually found some scholarly journals for this particular part of the, right. of the thing here. Okay. But they were um, not substantial enough, really. I was, I was underwhelmed by... It, it's just something very intrinsic and, and hard to measure, really, for me. And so these people try to do it, um, but I'm not sure ultimately just became funny what they found. So um, what they said about the me generation, which is the baby boomers. Mm -hmm. um, oh, wait a second. Oh, these guys have got the wrong labels. They say generation me, which according to that chart I gave you earlier, is the baby boomers. But then they say sometimes called Gen Y or millennials. So there you go. Isn't that funny? <laughs> okay. Because individual no which generation you're part of it's all about you yeah okay so they're saying for the millennials they demonstrate higher self-esteem higher narcissism higher anxiety and higher depression i thought this was interesting a lower need for social approval which kind of is opposite of what you might expect the effects of social media to be but yeah and a more external locus of control this is for millennials? This is for millennials. Really? 
managers should expect to see more employees with unrealistically high expectations, <coughs> high, a high need for praise, difficulty with criticism, an increase in creativity demands, job hopping, ethics scandals, hmm. and casual yeah. dressing. So I didn't, I didn't, huh. I read through this paper a little bit. I didn't do the entire thing, but this is all from their uh, abstract. Who, who put this out? Uh, this is from the Journal of Managerial Psychology. Hmm. I mean, yeah, some of those things, I guess I could, I could see. Do you feel like any of those are reflected in yourself? No. Uh, well, <laughs> how like, biased can one. you be? <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely not. I'm none of those. Well, no, I mean, uh, maybe at first, but uh, so like high need for praise. It's certainly mm -hmm. great when somebody tells you you've done a good job, but I also mm -hmm. know when I've done a good job and you don't really need to tell me. Uh, I also know when I've done a poor job. Um, difficulty with criticism? I mean, who likes to get yelled at? Nobody. Yeah, that one I, I actually is the one that I'm confident in disagreeing with. Yeah, me too. I, I usually if... take criticism on full. Yeah, of course, when somebody is sitting there in front of you and then in that moment you're like feeling Fuck. shitty, but ultimately it doesn't take me very long to sit down and go okay here's they were what right. i've gotten from that or yeah, right. yeah i'm not the type of person to instill hate on that person now i'll just take that in, in either say okay they're being irrational or most of the time they're right they're right and you know you take something from it completely agree if i'm doing something incorrectly uh please let me know yeah definitely so yeah, I mean, I guess unrealistically high expectations. Again, that's a thing of youth. That's not a. I feel like I could I could agree with that one. I mean, I maybe, have high maybe. expectations of myself, but is well, that is it of yourself or others? What are they saying? They're talking about so me as the manager, I should expect my employee to have unrealistically high expectations of themselves. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So all of these things sound like they correlate back to um, age. Well, I was going to say a, a demand to work harder. That too. Right? Because if you're working harder, you expect other people to be working harder. You expect praise for what you're doing. Um, so is there, you know, if you somehow plot work ethic, or not ethic, um, workload, however you would quantify that, across the generations, is it going up? Do millennials have to do more work to get the same amount of benefit? I don't. Well, yeah, from a monetary perspective, yes. Just just from the facts of inflation and whatnot, it sure. money money if money is worth less. Worth less, goodness. Um, so you need more of it. Right. So a second paper uh, fit my bias, I suppose. <laughs> Um, this is, so this, this one paper, the first one that I, I sort of read from a little bit, they're ultimately making an argument that there are plenty of generational differences hmm. and that it's, that it's, and it's based on the generations themselves and the influences on those generations. The second one from the same journal, a couple years later, I'll just, I'll just, they worded it well. So there's evidence mm -hmm. for changes in personality profiles across generations 
and for differences in attitudes towards work and career. However, the effects of these trends tend not to be large, and some findings are inconsistent with popular stereotypes regarding these, these generational differences. Hmm. Contrary to popular hype concerning generational differences at work, managerial time may be better spent considering employee needs relating to age, life cycle, and career stage, rather than their generation. Hmm. So literally, to me, all that says is stop stop uh, treating them as if they're part of this made-up group and treat yeah. them as a person. You so, more of that. Yeah, so I don't know. This one, ultimately, I, I personally feel like the, the differences between the generations are, it's all up in our heads. Or a lot of it's up in our heads. There are absolutely, and we'll get to some of these things now, there are absolutely some hard and fast things that impact particular groups. One of the mm-hmm. big ones being war. War, without a doubt, has a when war impacts a group of people, the, that mm-hmm. group of people are absolutely different from a group of people that did not experience war. Sure, that is sure, and that's one that for me goes. Uh, actually, not just for me, but that is one of the things that is part of human history and not really specific to the past hundred years. So one of the big ones, um, I talked about them last week, the Mongols, um, when they uh, started out conquering people, you know, they grew up in the harsh environment of the Asian steppe, which is this, you know, low net, uh, net gain area. There's not a lot of animals. It's a very tough environment and it created intense warriors you know the mongols are famous for their or infamous really for their uh military prowess and their strength and their resilience and all those things once they started conquering all these rich places the future generations of mongols that enjoyed the wealth that the previous generations uh acquired were absolutely lesser warriors and lesser Hmm. in that in that perspective you know they were lesser uh a lesser generation, but you know, from that perspective. Okay. So the war one hmm. is, uh, is so, really wild. And that I, I definitely understand and I can see that. But the problem with labeling these generations is that really you're picking the thing that sure probably had the most influence on changing these groups, but it's not like there's one thing that, you know, no, it's causing definitely. these differences between groups. So you you have blending of of experiences, and deciding where to cut these off is is very ambiguous and weird. It is so that generational differences chart that that uh, group came up with. They have a whole section yeah, I'm on still looking at it. <laughs> they have a whole section on influencers. So yeah. World War Two and the Korean War. They have on the traditionalists civil rights, Vietnam War, sexual revolution they have in the baby boomers. Generation X has Watergate, energy crisis, dual income families, Y2K. Some weird fucking examples. It's So this whole chart... Um, it's really, really weird. We, we can spend some time on this right now before we go on. Well, I shouldn't have digressed. Um, yeah, let's save the chart. So one of the more uh, tangible differences keeping with the war theme one of the more tangible differences between generations uh right now is uh 
you know, over in the Asian countries, Korea, Japan, uh, especially Mm -hmm. the heights of the youth are far and away more than previous generations. So people are way taller and they're, they're getting taller at at a crazy rate. What? But ultimately, it seems like it just boils down to the fact that uh, within the past 100 years, 150 years, those places have been uh, suppressed by war. Mm-hmm. And so the best example of this is North and South Korea. After the Korean War, South Korea was built up, or I'm sorry, before the Korean War, South Korea and North Korea, as we know them today, were one and yep. lived, lived under similar conditions. Mm-hmm. After the war... The North was the way it is, and the South became the way it is now. And so you have a pretty decent control group and experiment group right there. And Hmm. nutrition and leisure and sort of modern culture, you could argue, or or at least one form of modern culture, has resulted in um, heights just going crazy. Also, another factor in that there is a huge shift in the cultural demand of height. So before the war, a lot of Asian cultures, Korea, Japan specifically, mm-hmm. put they put value on um, being short. They actually mm-hmm. had a they had a little uh, let me see. They had a there's a term basically that the smaller the pepper, the hotter the, the you know the hotter it is. So the small, the smaller the person, the more intense and the the better they are. Yeah. And it, that has completely changed. Um, hmm. There are parents in both countries that will spend money to have these height treatments done to their children, where it's Boy. it's basically an effort to give them as much chance to grow as tall as possible. So I can see not being. Or being short, you know, kind of being phased out. But what's the benefit of being tall, necessarily? I don't know. It's just what the culture yeah. has shifted to demanding. Uh, Is well, there actually... also a shift in um, age expectancy, in the average age? Oh, probably. From North Korea to South Korea? Probably. And yeah. I, guess, I guess there is an answer to your question. Um, so I did find... Taller men do appear to have less heart issues, and taller women do appear to have lower childbirthing issues. And you could also make the argument that if one of the prevailing factors for all this appears to be nutrition and the access to proteins, meat. Mm-hmm. So if the if if we agree that before 1950 these groups were getting less than optimal amounts of nutrition and now they're getting optimal amounts and now they're growing taller. I guess you could make the argument that the natural state or the preferred state of the body is to be taller. So Hmm. uh, then the culture has, has changed their preference accordingly. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. And previously, a sign of, you know, the shortness was was wrapped up in the the idea of of being gritty and resilient and and making it through life. And you know, the smaller pepper is hotter. Uh, mm-hmm. But now now that they don't have to be that way, they'd rather be tall. They'd rather be tall. 
Interesting. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. Wow. So that's one of the really tangible, and this is not unique to the Asian cultures. You can see this in a lot of places where you have a number of generations impacted and suppressed by war and famine mm -hmm. and whatever, and then future, you know, subsequent ones that are not subject right. to those same conditions. Um, just another thought with the war thing. Um, I think it's hard to say how this exactly impacts, but I always, or I imagine at least, you know, if you have a, a generation that grows up through war, they're like more focused, I imagine. You know, there, there's this thing going on that is central that captivates their attention on a daily basis. And hmm. especially like in the world wars, you know, women would go to the, at least in America, women took the place of men in their factory jobs and were making yeah. weapons. You know, people huh. were, people were sacrificing in their daily life to support the war effort. Right. And that's going to breed a sense of community. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. More than totally it would other. That. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really have anything quite like that. No. I guess we have people more tuned into politics and news more than maybe in the the recent history, last 10, 20 years, but nobody necess or not everybody necessarily is doing something in their daily life to influence or support or whatever. Right. Um so yeah, that's uh just a couple of the some of the differences. Oh, one I didn't touch on we can uh, right now, this is, I would, again, argue this is not a generational, th or it is a generational thing, but it's not driven because there's actually a difference between the generations, but it's economics. Um, so millennials are getting married and having kids and buying houses much later than previous oh, yeah. generations. Yep. But that's not necessarily by choice. That's because the economic conditions are such that it requires that. Yeah, that's interesting how that kind of, forces a lifestyle upon people right right definitely i can i can you know relate to that for sure sure <laughs> i don't own a house do you nope nope <laughs> i'm uh 28 i don't yeah i don't even own a new car <laughs> like not that that's a requirement or you know something uh, you know necessary but it's becoming harder and harder to to make those things happen it is. Uh, so, yeah, ultimately for me, and we'll get to some funny stuff in a second, but just this whole thing, like I kind of stated in the beginning, it's it's both fabricated and not. Mm -hmm. We're definitely in an unprecedented time where there's these, the pace of change is crazy, and it does create divides, but the hate and the animosity and the confusion is both made up but also i guess it's just it's it's just a manifestation of uncertainty and i don't think mm -hmm. humans i don't think humans are well adapted to be able to keep up with how fast things are really changing so that mm. sort of manifests itself in a negative way Ooh, or it can interesting theory yeah yeah who is responsible for naming the generations i have no idea <laughs> I mean, clearly not one person because you have an entire section of this differences chart that has other names listed, of which there are four or five, depending on which generation you're looking at. 
So let's go through this chart a little bit. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I've got another fun list to go through. Um, but the can we just talk about what these people tried to set out to do? So this is an 11-page PDF document. It's a it's got the four generations in it, and on the left-hand side is a huge number of different categories mm -hmm. that this company has tried to box. Excuse me. They've tried to box in each generation. Everything from the influences on that generation to the core values of that generation. Mm -hmm. So one of the core values of the millennials is street smarts. <laughs> one of the core one of the core one of the core values in the traditionalists is uh, trust in government. One of the ge techno literacy has been given to generation x Ooh, all right so do you think that they did a good job no you don't no i mean they put I a think lot some of... of these are actually no okay well i don't know i haven't spent nearly as much time with this as you and i will be completely honest i am scrolling through it as little as possible because i do not want my computer to crash Okay, okay, okay. So I'm I'm taking my time looking at it. I got gotcha. you. For our um, listeners, my, my MacBook is on the fritz, and if I do too much, it might shut off, and that's a big problem, so I don't want to... Yeah, we would lose the recording. ...scroll literally suck. through a 11-page PDF, because that might yeah. stress the processor too much. So I, I guess <laughs> but, I'll take that back. They, they did a good job in the sense that, I mean, they got a lot of information, and they've mm -hmm. there is distinction amongst the different generations. So in that sense, they accomplished their goal. But I guess my problem with it is the same problem I've had with the whole, you know, that I've had the whole time, which is mm -hmm. th where's the, where really is the line? Well, I would argue that there is none because you need 11 pages by these to people's do definition <laughs> to define it. So it's clearly not concise. Now, which generation were these people from? Because that's going to influence... Oh, totally. They create. Um, I don't know, but I just would guess they're going to fall probably in Generation X. Yeah. So, because so some areas they've done a good job, but then there's a there's a category called technology. Okay. And so reading from left to right, starting with traditionalists, going over to millennials. Yeah. The so all you all you've got is the word technology is the category. Traditionalists they've written down adapted. Baby boomers acquired, Generation X assimilated, and then millennials integral. What? Okay, I, I'm on board with the bookends. I'm not on board with the, the words middle. they've chosen for the two middle, baby boomer and Gen X. That, those make no sense. So. It's, it's like they came up. I mean, for that, it sounds like they, they came up with the bookends and they were like... What do we do in the middle? Because integral, that makes sense, right? These people grew up with it. It's part. It's literally integrated into their life in the sense where it's a pillar, you know, at which they function, essentially, okay. right? Yeah, I guess. Whereas this is a, actually a good... traditionalist adapted, think of you know a grandparent or something learning how to use an iPad. They've accepted that these things exist, and they've mm -hmm. even made an effort to to adapt them into their own life effectively or not. That's not the point. 
Um, but those middle two, I, I don't know. I guess the baby boom, the baby boomers are the ones that acquired the technology, so that the traditionalists, being older, had to adapt to it. Generation X took the baby boomer technology and assimilated it into culture, and then the millennials live okay. in the integral so, culture. I guess. Yeah, because think about it, traditionalists. They're gonna have to change with. The well, times. I would say no, they don't. They're at a point in their life when let's just take this ambiguous technology where they could <laughs> they could you know choose to bring it on and, and adapt to it or not they're perfectly fine with not having it baby boomers it's almost like okay i need to either get on board or i'm going to fall behind um right because what was the word for baby boomers again uh acquired acquired right so they were kind of like yeah, not thrown into it because it didn't necessarily exist when uh, when they were born, but um, they almost had to get on board. And then the word for Gen X again? Sorry, it's called uh, assimilated. Assimilated, yeah. So they're more willing to... Yeah, so those are like, I'm thinking, um, people that weren't necessarily born with it, you know, already existing or in their early childhood, but came along in their twenties or thirties, whatever, but they're very much willing to grasp onto it and, and be a part of it. Right. Hmm. So another, I'll go through two more of these, two more categories from this chart. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first three for this one, I like a lot. I think it makes a lot of it makes sense, but the millennial one. So going from traditionalist over to millennial again, the view of authority, respectful, Impressed, unimpressed. Bro. <laughs> Sorry, that's really funny. That's so, so that's different. Okay, and then relaxed. So, Ooh, with the traditionalists, I guess I would say respectful can come out of just a general respect for the rule of law. Mm -hmm. The baby boomers, they would have, that would have been the great wars. And what happened for it, at least from an American perspective, was incredible and impressive. And sure, yeah. you know, you would you would have looked up to the the war heroes, absolutely. Yeah, you pulled through. Right? Gen Xers would have been the Vietnam War, which in America was uh, not a popular mm. thing. Sure. So they would have gotten their unimpressed nature from that. And then I guess I don't, I can't really speak to why we're being labeled as relaxed, but okay. Hmm. Um, the other one, though, real quick. I feel like I feel like maybe relaxed would be revisited if you updated this chart. I would agree. Uh, suspicious. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad word. Yeah, because we've gotten in, we've gotten into this point where everything got to look into everything, right? You can't take anything at face value. Anymore. Nothing. Nothing can be taken at face value Absolutely these days. Absolutely nothing. Yep. I can make no judgment until I've seen the facts. Right. And you are able to see the facts on virtually anything if you're diligent enough. Right. Um, so, therefore, that's that's the new requirement. Okay. So, the, the last one for this chart, we'll move on. Um, the category is technology is dot, dot, dot. That's the, the leftmost column? leftmost column is technology, technology is, is. Okay, dot, so like dot, what dot. it means to each generation 
Okay. What, traditionalists, the Hoover Dam. <laughs> oh, specific examples. Yeah, specific examples. <laughs> it's going to okay. get way weirder. Oh, boy. Let's go. Baby boomers, they get the microwave. Really? Um, That's the... Okay, okay. Generation yes, X, what you can hold in your hand. A cell phone, a PDA. Hmm. And then they keep petering out on the millennials. Ethereal dash intangible. That's what they've put in that column. So you go what? from the Hoover Dam to the microwave to the PDA to ethereal. So what is that, that even really supposed to mean? I guess that they're saying all I could come up with was the fact that the internet itself is sort of an, from a certain perspective, it's intangible, right? Because it's information that's contained in servers that you pull up on your phone and it's, yeah, I'm making yeah. some jumps. No, 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 no. I don't think you're wrong on that. I just, it's a weird way to describe it. It is. Or, or to market, I guess. Okay, so to start wrapping up here, I thought it would be... So... Wait, hang on, hang on. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not done with that one yet, because I don't... Because <laughs> <laughs> when I think about those things, I don't think about them as not being real. I think about yeah, information yeah. being represented in a different way, maybe, or yeah. being shared in a different way, but I don't think about things as not real. The only thing, maybe they're alluding to virtual reality, maybe? Alluding to what? Alluding to virtual reality. Ooh, I feel like that's... Just say that, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, they could be. I'm not saying they're, they're not, but if that's what you mean, say it. They were uh, Gen Xers that didn't know what the right it term sounds, was. I'm kind of... The more I go through this, I feel like that's where... Most of these people creating this are camped out. Yeah, so there's a bias in there just inherently. There has to be. Unless yep. you get 25% from each of these columns to create yep. this. Um, so I thought it'd be funny to go through... Uh, I was Googling this. From the period of July to October 2017, the hot thing to do was to write an article on how millennials have killed the X industry. So whatever the industry is, the millennials okay. have killed it. And specific, that time frame is like, if you go to Google and you start doing some research, what I noticed was that most of these articles were written right in that time frame, and then there's none since October 2017. So it was just a trend. Huh. A media but, trend. A media trend. But the thing is, is a lot of these these industries are declining. We'll go through a couple of them. I'll pose now that they're not declining because of millennials, but leave that up to. Hmm. Okay. So the first one on the list, the newspaper, I mean, don't even really need to say much about that one. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Why? Yep. Napkins. Millennials yeah. have been blamed for the death of the napkin industry. I mean, Okay. Side note, I was in charge of getting paper products for vacation. I chose not to buy napkins and paper towels. That sounded and felt like dumb. such a waste and dumb. And what did you buy? Paper towels. <laughs> Only. And that is what people are buying. And what did our dad 
question you on. He and- was okay. He was being nice about it, but he was definitely upset that I did not get both. <laughs> like I appreciate that he was being nice, but he let me know. <laughs> so, isn't that crazy? So that is literally why the na- paper towels are being bought more than napkins now. People just don't I mean, buy. Okay, it makes perfect sense. A napkin does one thing. A paper towel does another thing, but it also does the thing that a napkin does. Yep. Why the fuck would I buy both? And then once they came out with the half-size paper towels, it was over. It was over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. We don't need useless shit. No, we don't. Shit. Okay. And then another common... I'm not going to go down that road right now, but that's hilarious. Another common theme here is the fact that there's a renewable choice now. So I use renewable paper towels, or I try to. Right. Um, so bar soap, the driving factor here is that there is a perception that bar soap is dirty. Uh-huh. Um, also combine that with just a huge marketing push from people like Old Spice or whatever to uh, promote body washes. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cereal is on the decline. Uh a lot of the cereals are, are sugar-based, so naturally those are falling away because people are more health-conscious. So, um, and can milk I stop you also... real quick? Yeah, of course. Um, all of these things, it doesn't matter whether it would be Generation X or Millennials or Z or no. Y. It doesn't matter. Nope. Basically, if we're progressing towards something because we have more knowledge or, or we're getting better at something, it's going right. to get lumped into that generation as right. being responsible, whether it's good or bad. So then that ultimately goes back to my, you know, my question and observation that it seems natural for people to hate on each other and to hate the the next generation. And, I mean, it and, might come down to people not liking change, right? Well, that's it. Yeah, of course. I, um, that is a real thing. People, dude, we're going through a renovation at work right now, and there's a couple other changes that have happened to work. The most minor change, people flip the fuck out. Like, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't matter how old they are. Most people flip the fuck out when the coffee makers changed. Yeah, like, and you know, it's hard to like blame people because it it does seem to be a inherent human trait, right? Yeah, I, it does. It. It is. I see it in everybody. I see it in myself from time to time. I try to be better about it. But I mean, if you ripped me out of my apartment right now, I'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah. Um, and I think change uh, from like a biological perspective, if things are changing rapidly, you're mm-hmm. probably not in a safe, comfortable environment. And just inherently, that means you're adverse yeah, to rapid change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Big beer is dying out. Uh, Budweiser, <laughs> Miller, uh, they're not doing well. So there's definitely a general trend. Are they trend. really not? <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. No, they're not doing well at all. Uh, Interesting. There's a general tr- trend towards wine and spirits. But I think this one is a lot like the car industry. There's more options. Mm-hmm. There's... Uh, so like competition from the craft brews is is changing all that. Mm-hmm. Um and just I don't know Budweiser sucks so. Well, <laughs> it's definitely, I mean it's 
<laughs> okay, when it cost me seven dollars to buy a six pack of Bud, whatever, and eight dollars to buy a pack of anything else that's interesting and unique and whatever, why wouldn't I try that? Exactly. And that sentence right there, I think, is is part of a greater thing, where our generation and maybe even Z or whatever the current one is, um, there's that like desire to find a niche, right? Yeah. You hope that it's not that I don't want to say that like if I buy a beer, I hope nobody else is buying it. That's dumb, but. You you kind of hope to discover your own little thing, right? And have your own unique aspect. Everybody wants to be unique, whereas, um, you know, I guess that wasn't as a big a concern. So if everybody was buying and drinking Bud Light, nobody saw that as a negative. Right. Which I'm not, I don't know that it is or it isn't. I'm not saying that, but I think there is a desire to kind of specialize in that sense right no, i agree yeah there's a big Happens push music yep. too. yeah there's a there's a, a desire to be an individual and mm-hmm. if your beer choice can say something about who you are as vapid as that sounds people are going to go for it yeah not to mention Rest- the beer is just better let's be honest here people yeah are. yeah sorry kevin but <laughs> um Chains such as Applebee's and Ruby Tuesdays and Fridays and whatnot, which are all weirdly weekday named, but they're on they're on the decline. Um, that I mean, one, same you can thing, s- right? Why would I go to one of those places when I can go experience something new? Exactly the same thing. Also, I would argue their food sucks. Uh, they yeah. microwave most of their food because yeah. the margins in the restaurant business are such that it's it's they can they can get away with microwaving a lot of their food, so they do. That's crazy. Um, in August 2017, 135 Applebee's closed. Mm. The EAT stock, E-A-T, has mm. been on the decline. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I love this term. Restaurant chains <laughs> are on the decline. I would argue that's probably both because they, they probably just aren't competing, but also uh, just a change in attitudes towards women. Oh, yeah, that that's definitely not going to be yeah. around for much longer no way no um golf people just aren't playing golf anymore huh younger people i should say are not taking to golf yeah. in the same way uh you know about this one diamond rings yep diamond ra- rings that. are on the uh are on the way out um department stores yogurt light yogurt <laughs> sales light yogurt sales fell 8.2 Eight and a half percent. Yogurt is a joke. The whole (laughs) industry. Fuck that. Uh, So you're you're talking a lot about things that are. I know you brought it up. You introduced it as things being killed off, but are we are millennials replacing or? You know. I think it's just being adopted differently or, or I think it's just progress. It's just progress. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, you know, like we kind of said, it's, it's not, it's being unfairly blamed. Yeah. Um, so like Harley motorcycles, they made the decision to associate themselves with a particular age group and then did Mm -hmm. nothing to. Yeah. It's, it's all about your perspective. I mean, if you're in a baby boomer generation or whatever, you're looking at this and going, 
you know, oh no, millennials are killing that because they're not buying it. But then you just do a 180 and you say, okay, millennials are looking at, they say, why would I buy that? You just, it just depends on how you look at it. Um, yeah, so that, that was an interesting list. Um, one of the last ones on it, which I, uh, football, American football mm -hmm. is on the decline. And for this one, um, I just have a theory about that. I wanted to state, I don't think the NFL is going to be around in, they have, they have two options in my opinion. They either need to, because one of the reasons, the big reason, in my opinion, that it's on the decline is all the head injury research yeah, that's, that's that's come out, right? A big thing. Yep. So it's for anybody for anybody who doesn't know, it's basically looking like every time the line, the two lines, run into each other, those those head hits are they stack. So yeah, it's like micro micro concussions, concussions basically, yep. right? You so the NFL feel like you have anything going on but you do yeah yeah so to me they either have to totally embrace and own the fact that it's a dangerous sport and people come out worse for wear at the end of it they either mm -hmm. have to, they just got to totally accept that mm -hmm. and and do what they can to mitigate it uh or uh, i guess really they only have one choice actually now that i think about it. they either have to do that or if they continue down the current path of ignoring it uh, the sport's going to die in 20 years. That's my is prediction. That the, is that the current state of things? Is that they're just ignoring it? Yes, yes. Yeah. That's sad. I mean, not totally, but certainly they would rather it go away. Than, well, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's not exactly in their favor. So, this, uh, this one, I don't know. I, I debated whether or not to bring this up, but... So that's that's what's being blamed on millennials. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's being blamed on previous generations? Hmm. Really, the, the the only one to talk about is uh, you know the fact that the planet was destroyed. <laughs> you want to go down that road? I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess not because. Yes, those decisions were made by people that lived at a certain time, but like, mm -hmm. I, I just, I guess I would ultimately go back to the fact that it was totally unprecedented. And had it been any other group of people in that same situation, it probably would have panned out the same way. Right. Yeah, I mean, things were it doesn't done, make it. You don't, they just didn't have the, the knowledge. And right, right. So that is what it is, and, and we have to accept that. But the problem I see is the lack of willingness to adapt and, and make changes. Totally. That's where that the is, problem lies. That is where the ambiguity no going stops. going back and changing. Right. Yeah, that is definitely where the ambiguity stops, where now that we know, if you don't, if you can't yeah, change. I mean, even as me sitting here knowing the things I know, let's pretend I didn't know, you know, these and have these considerations for the environment. If somebody told me that I could romp around every day in a, uh, a vehicle with 450 horsepower and 500 cubic inch engine and just gas cost nothing. Sure. Fuck yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I would do it too. Yeah. And you know, that's car example, but you know, obviously it's much bigger than that, but yeah. 
without that knowledge, yeah, why wouldn't you? So I got a little bit of stats around this. 51% of millennials blame baby boomers for making things worse for their generation. Um, but what's interesting is is the boomers have similar they... numbers about themselves. They don't um, – they're not hmm. happy with their legacy. Which, I mean, yeah, you know, hmm. I don't know. I don't want to dwell on it too much because that type of hate is not uh, – Oh, how I we, like, were you just, know. we were just trying to speak against, right? Right, right, right. So, I don't know. It's, as you said, we're in the situation we're in, and, and I don't think it would have happened yeah, the, much different. The, the, the desire to, or the, the fact that we've put these blankets over these groups is a little bit toxic in itself. I don't yep. really see the, the benefit, honestly, no. after talking about this. I really don't see the need. Yeah. Or who it's helping. So let's end with... Uh... Damn, you know, <laughs> this was supposed to be fun, and, and we still still managed to find... Well, that was... That was uh, I, chose the, <laughs> I chose the topic. I don't know. It no, was, no, um... not your, to- your topic is not. I'm just saying, in the end, we eventually found... Well, no, I would say, I would say we're taking a... Well, I would say we're taking a positive approach. I don't... <laughs> you know, it's, it's more... It's more the conditions of, of the environment. It's it's not like any one person ever thinks to themselves, yeah, fuck that other generation. Like, or I mean, no. And if you do, that's that's silly. I think. Yeah. 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 So in that spirit, let's end with hating on the upcoming generation. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so the the youth of today, they're growing um. up with a cell phone in their hands from day one mm-hmm. that just my bias, my old age, my really, really old age says that that's not good. Dude, their music I heard, is terrible. Uh, I heard a thing on the radio today where they were talking about how schools are thinking about banning cell phones for various reasons. And some of the reasons were because kids rush to lunch period so that they can check their phones and nobody's talking to each other and, actually like interacting in a social environment totally um yeah so so that's happening i guess their music's terrible um i don't really know well i guess it's are you just referring to what you would hear on i don't know top 40 <laughs> radio station or something yeah i'm also just playing the part of the old old <laughs> geezer i suppose music is shit <laughs> It's not my music, therefore it's terrible. Right, exactly. And they dress weird too. What are the what are those things in their ears? I don't I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> uh, the impacts of social media certainly that's not just for the younger generation, that's for that's no, for all that's, of us. That's all that's spanning humanity. Here's one though that I really this is not a uh, obviously we're joking about hating on the next generation. They need to they need to save the rest of us. Um, uh, but one thing that I think is really a difference and is not their fault at all, it's ours. Uh, I would be so mad if I were my age now and I found out that my, that our mom had put all of my baby pictures on face on Facebook. Dude, I'm going to, the kids with that today, I don't understand. I don't like that one at all. So... 
yes, I know somebody who, you know, I've I've known their child since day one, and yes, they they have their entire life documented online. It's creepy. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't, like I don't it. know how that's going to play out because it hasn't yet, right? It really hasn't. I don't. Think. It hasn't. Nobody's gotten to. I don't know when Facebook started, but. Yeah, I don't think anybody's really played that one out fully yet. Give it give it 10 years. Yeah, 10 years definitely. And dude, I would not want to I can't think about myself going back and looking at all those pictures and knowing that, you know, going nope. back and seeing people commenting on them and liking it and just like all this stuff and And some of them, I mean, some bizarre. of them are like naked baby pics and and definitely. whatnot, yeah. which, you know, is is fine from a you know, it's cute and whatever, and it's totally it's just, natural. That's not the problem. Yeah, it's it's the fact that they're online. Yeah, yeah. But... It does provide a good service. Time, well, at the same time, I mean, if that's becoming the norm, then that's becoming the norm, right? There's a, and there's a reason for it, and... You can't fight it. You can't fight it. We're, we're... Right now, we're discussing becoming, you know, column two in this chart. Right, right. Moving from and, column all the way to the right to becoming column two and not understanding in 20 years there will in 20 years there will be a podcast where they're saying people were so worried about all the baby pictures and right, it was fine right. it was fine and nobody so cares <laughs> i could totally i could totally eat those words in 20 years no problem right. so yeah ultimately at least for the future we need to take the uh the good, the good portions of all the different generations. We all need to uh, hold hands and sing together and try to. Yeah, I'd be interesting and in, interested in in not labeling them, just because I don't see the need, and I don't see the help. At this point, you know, we, you know, we've been talking about this for about an hour now. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it it seems useless. Kind of. But very interesting, and I enjoyed the topic. That was a Good. nice thought experiment. Good. All right, I think that's going to do it. Um, right. Wanderingberrycenter at gmail.com is the email that I haven't checked in forever. So I'm checking Whoops. it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, check Lots out the website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, <laughs> yeah, check us out on Instagram check us out on all the, the usual spots subscribe to itunes and write a damn review yeah that'll help <laughs> try to balance the amount of promoting right you don't want to be up in the face about it oh no i'm up, I'm up. all right people catch you next week <laughs> peace